Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander and as always I'm joined by my two co-hosts Dave Glanz and Mike Morandi. Say hello gentlemen. Hello gentlemen. And joining us all the way from sunny Seattle, Washington is film critic Laramie Legal. Say hi Laramie. Hi Laramie. And uh, Laramie (laughs) is literally, literally wrote the book on film criticism. He has a book called Film Critic available uh, via Amazon. He also writes for such websites as Slash Film, Film Drunk, uh, Rope of Silicon. What am I missing? What else do you write for? I think that's it. Okay. That's it? <laughs> I think that about covers it. Uh, <laughs> and this is the podcast where we talk about classic movies in a modern cinematic context to determine whether or not they hold up to repeat viewings. Um, and on modern today's... Viewings. Yeah, modern viewings. And on today's episode, we are going to break the very first rule of Fight Club and talk about Fight Club. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. Why? How much can you know about yourself if you've never been in a fight? Wait, let me start earlier. Like many of you, I was stuck. You want me to deprioritize my current reports? Yeah. Until you advise of a status upgrade? Make these your primary action items. I couldn't sleep. No, you can't die from insomnia. I'd flip through catalogs and wonder, what kind of dining set defines me as a person? This is your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. I prayed for a different life. So... I make and I sell soap. And this is how I met Tyler Durden. Come on, hit me before I lose my nerve. Okay. Ow! You hit me in the ear! It was on the tip of everyone's tongue. Can I be next? We just gave it a name. Gentlemen, welcome to Fight Club. The first rule of Fight Club is... Wow, nice. You do not talk about Fight Club. Is that your blood? Some of it, yeah. After Fight Club, we all started seeing things differently. First and second rule, I think. That is the first and second rule of Fight Club. Now, Fight Club, if you're living under a rock or have no idea, or just a moron, Fight Club is a movie that came out in 1999. It's directed by David Fincher. It stars Brad Pitt and Edward Norton, and it's a film that focuses... um, What's a good plot synopsis here, Dave? Can you help me out? Uh, (laughs) It's two men that form an underground boxing club. There you go. And that's it. That, that that yeah that's a, that's a good actual general description. Yeah, soap company too, and it's not? based on a Chuck uh, Palahniuk novel. Novel who is a famous writer for having a very unique voice, especially in the '90s and mid 2000s. So, because you're our special guest, Laramie, and I don't know how much time you have, I'm going to start with you with an easy question. Um, when were you <laughs> when were you first exposed to Fight Club? And in rewatching it, that sounded dirty. Exposed. Uh, <laughs> uh, and now and that how you've how far re- did it spread? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when did I- it? And when you, we sorry, when you watched it, basically, what are your feelings now, and what were your feelings then? Uh, I think I first saw it in theaters in Atlanta. There you go. And Georgia. I'm pretty sure that the person I was with walked out. I think it was a family member who was a little bit older. Um, but I loved it. <laughs> I loved it then. Well, quite he a bit. walked out because it was so violent or gruesome. Yeah, or? I think it was just just too much. You know, if you're I think if you're 45 and you're seeing that movie in the 90s yeah. for the first time. Oh, 45, like, yeah. Yeah. I think you're like, what's going on? Whereas I'm a teenager, like, yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> crushing it. <laughs> my, my generation, watch out. Um, upon rewatching, uh, I still really love it. I think now knowing it a little more, you can kind of see some of the, the tiny flaws, you know, mm-hmm. um, the, just the aggro nature. Um, the story doesn't hold up on the second time in, in terms of the big reveal, you know, because you know the reveal. Right. And then I still feel like, um, her characters 
a little problematic in Marla terms Singer. of like you're yeah. talking about Helena Bonham Carter's character. I am. I call her her. Okay, um, <laughs> that's how he refers to all women. <laughs> There's only one her in the film, so that it's is a very true. very masculine film. Um, but I feel like her character is kind of all over the board, and and maybe that's a little issue as well. But I still really like it quite a bit. Um, and you know, I, I think that at this point, since we're talking about a movie that's been out for 15 years, I think that it's safe to say we can just spoil the heck out of it in the sense that yeah. uh, this is a movie about uh, that is precipitated on a very big twist, uh, much like The Sixth Sense, which actually came out, I believe, in the same year. Yeah. Um, and it's a film where Edward Norton, the narrator, and Brad Pitt, Tyler Durden, are the same person, and that's the big um, reveal in the film. Uh, Mike, I'm guessing you've seen Fight Club before or no? I actually have, yeah. Okay, yeah. so now and then, give me your rundown. Yeah, uh, I think um, I think it's weird. I liked it more from one. Okay, I think the first time I watched it, um, I thought the content was fine, but I was like, eh, I guess it's pretty cool. I mean, I guess it's you know, I, I think it was the year of twists. Like I think I was just used to twist at this point. She had uh, the Sixth Sense, Sixth Sense, which I think did it a little bit better, you know. Um, but it was okay. I, I mean, I enjoyed it for what it was. And now I liked it. I think I appreciated it more as a movie and as a, um, like, um, uh, for the craft, I think of it. I think as a way, film, David as Fincher a, would Yeah, Fincher yeah, yeah. Would as, say. A, as a film, but the content, I mean, I think I, I was kind of halfway between Laramie and his, uh, family member who wanted to walk out, who, who did walk out. <laughs> I mean, I'm, uh, it's tough. The content is tough, I think. Uh, I mean, I, I could handle it. It's not like, <laughs> I couldn't handle it. It's just, uh, you had to cover your eyes a couple times. No, no, I was good. I was fine. My <laughs> girlfriend definitely did when she was watching it. Um, but I mean, it's, I don't, I don't know. I like, I think the movie, it, it tells the story well. Um, I will disagree with Larry, which is probably pretty foolish to do, but, um, I, I think it holds up as far as like, I knew the twist ahead of time, but it's still, I still got a little bit of value out of it. Um, I think I could look at other things, you know, there's, there's some subtle things they throw in the beginning with, you know, like I'm going to do it later, but, um, even knowing the twist, I think I still, I still did enjoy it. Um, it's just like depressing. It's like, I don't know. It's just <laughs> sad. That's really, that's really the I mean, biggest issue with it. I think it, it tells the story well. I like the characters. I like, you know, the way they do it. But it's just like, man, these characters suck. It's just like, it's a, such a dark world. The whole thing is great. It's just, you know, tinted green. Like, I think it's on purpose, but it doesn't make it any. Oh, it's definitely yeah. on purpose. Yeah. What were you going to say, Larry? I, the world has been so affected by Fight Club that it's hard to like, divorce yourself from that context at this point yeah like yeah. everything is far more fight club than it was in 1999 right oh well yeah <laughs> no like, i think anything, that i think that's a very uh, astute point keep going and if anything it seems like men are even more lost than they were then <laughs> in terms of like what do we do now we don't hunt or gather you know right um and so like it sort of was prescient in that sense you know just if you look at the stats i mean women are women are on the ascension and men are on the declination or whatever the word would be but anyway, sorry to interrupt. No, no, yeah. that was, that was, I'm, that, o- I'm over men. I think I think society is just <laughs> over men right now. Well, Dave, <laughs> Dave, Dave has seen every movie ever made multiple times. Well, no, and um, no. <laughs> so I'm I'm actually very curious to hear what you think about Fight Club in general because I don't know I, I'm I'm having trouble predicting what your taste is going to be on this film. Well, I've always been a big David Fincher uh, fan, so uh, I would say uh, taking out Alien Three. Which I wasn't a fan of because I was a huge fan of Alien and Aliens, and uh, really both of them. Hmm. Yes, both of Continue. them. Continue. <laughs> In fact, mostly Aliens is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, anyone who's seen Aliens is massively upset when they watch the beginning of Alien Three. And I remember seeing that movie in the theaters with my dad, and both of us just sitting there like groaning, like "Oh my god, oh, it's, they're they're ruining it." And, tr- and me trying to tell myself that this was a good movie at the end of it when it clearly wasn't. But anyway, anyway. Uh, you know, then Seven came out and David Fincher became a, a big name. And uh, since then, I've seen every one of his movies in the theater, inclu- including Fight Club. 
uh, Fight Club, I had no idea, actually, that there was going to be a twist. I remember when The Sixth Sense came out, that was part of the marketing strategy, I think, was the fact that there were some twist that happens and uh, I remember watching it and trying to figure it out like a puzzle and uh, I, I think I did actually I can't remember but good for you Dave but uh, when you said the sixth sense the, a twist in a movie uh, the sixth sense I remember happening it's been a while since I've seen it but I remember it happening and it was just kind of uh, all at the last minute and and uh, yeah you could go back and rewatch it and it kind of changes the way the movie looks but it doesn't really mean much to the story it's just you know like okay so he's dead then how does that change anything? The story is still intact for the most yeah, part. Yeah, the story right, is, right. is the same. But with Fight Club, it changes the it changes the idea dramatically. I mean, um, the yeah. I, I, personally, I wasn't expecting it, so it was it was pretty. Uh, you know, it hit me pretty hard when I saw it. I mean, I thought it was you know not emotionally, but like wow, this is awesome. You know, it kind of came out the same year as um, I think it was The Matrix came in ninety came out in ninety nine. Correct. Mm-hmm. So you have The Matrix, you have uh, Fight Club, it's a very have, green year. You know, a couple years later, you have Memento, uh, Sixth Sense. So there's a lot of movies with like that are really trying to kind of twist uh, story and narrative in interesting ways. And Fight Club was one of those movies. And do you guys remember A Beautiful Mind, the Russell Crowe movie? Yeah. No, David, I, no one remembers that movie. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, best picture winner? Best, yeah, yeah, sorry. It was an obscure winner. indie film well, starring Russell Crowe. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you remember the twist in that movie was, I mean, obviously mo- more people knew that John Nash was. It is uh, the same movie, twist. But it's the same idea yeah. where he's friends with Paul Bettany and Paul Bettany is not real and whatever. And I remember thinking, this is just like a lightweight version of Fight Club. And. Uh, gentleman's version. <laughs> gentleman's version. Of, yeah, it's Laramie's older relative's version. Um, but uh, I'm sure that guy loved a beautiful mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I really appreciated Fight Club at the time. Uh, I think it's more of a young man's movie. I think absolutely. It's, um, yeah. I yeah. think it's more of a kind of a. It, it feels watching it now. It feels like we watched a Clockwork Orange a year ago. It feels like kind of a, a Clockwork Orange for our generation in some ways. Um, a beautiful mind is a beautiful mind's message is stay off your meds. Fight clubs don't get on them ever. Yeah, <laughs> right, I guess so. Right. I guess so. Um, but um, you know, it's been a while since I've watched Fight Club all the way through, and I think it still really holds up. Uh, uh, you know, it, I would say it is a classic in some ways. I mean, it's um, very influential. But it, you know, one thing I forgot while watching it was also how uh, how much of a, of its time it was. Like one thing I really that really stuck out to me was. That, no one uses cell phones. Yeah, yeah. You know, like everything happens in pay phones mm. or, you know. Brad Pitt had the 90s spikes you know, going like, on. Like I remember fe- I remember it feeling very modern and very uh, ahead of its time when I watched it. And then, you know, it's, uh, you know, some of it does actually feel like very kind of 90s. So No, but, I think I think it feels incredibly 90s. And I think it's so much of a product of the time. And as Laramie said, it's impossible to divorce this movie from the time period in which it came out. This movie has been incredibly popular on DVD. It, it right. failed at the box office. It was number one the weekend it came out, though. But I mean, it's not like it. It didn't. It didn't really land critically. It was mixed critically. Mm-hmm. It didn't make huge box office numbers. And then on DVD, it kind of found itself amongst young, angry college kids, and right. bros. <laughs> Which is weird because it's totally against young, angry college kids. And, and Fight Club becomes this movie where it kind of. It's almost like the Scarface. Um, thing where people like Scarface became like the representation of hip hop culture right. in the nineties and the two thousands and Fight Club became like the poster you'd see in every bro's dorm room. Yes. And, yeah. and yes. almost oh to the almost to the point where this film is currently the number ten ranked film of all time on IMDb's top 250 list. And I know that's not a what harbinger. Was it number 10? Num- number 10. Wow. And that's not a harbinger of quality because Shawshank is number one in IMDb's system. You watch but, your mouth. But like 
just just the fact that it's that popular and has retained itself that much is pretty crazy. Sorry, did you guys like have a whiskey over? No, 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 no. So, Laramie, typically uh, Mike and I drink a little bourbon or scotch while we're doing. We have this. to get to this podcast. And Mike just. Uh, Took away too much. Oh, sure. Well, see, what, what ended up happening was I was, I was pouring it, and Ivan's like, "Oh, Shawshank is a terrible movie." And I just I lost concentration. That's <laughs> no, not a terrible movie. It's no. not number one movie of all time. But here's what. The, go ahead. What's another movie that the message has been like transgramified? To use a Calvin and Hobbes, you know, like this. Can you think of one? I, I mean, I think Fight Club's a good example. I think, like I said, Scarface. The other one I would think would be Crash in a way, um, because that movie was uh, so adopted. By um, for being very deep and culturally resonant for a lot of people, and then just so much backlash from a lot of uh, critics at the same time. Yes, when it came out, people were like, "Oh my god, you have, you need to see this movie." And they're talking like, about like, Crash or Fight Club. Crash. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And then like I, like two weeks later, people everyone hated it. It was incredible. <laughs> well, can you think well, of one? after a one Best Picture? I think is when people really started to not like it. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, Crash. probably. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the anything. Only, Go ahead. The only thing I can think of that's a little bit like it. Is the quote um, "religion is the opiate of the masses" mm-hmm. is always seen as a negative um, anti-religion view, but it's actually he meant it positively. Like opiates are good for people, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we need them like in society. So that one's always taken like out of context. But I can't think of an actual piece of art. The thing that I find so amazing about Fight Club, and in my experience, I watched it in college um, for the first time. I thought, saw it a little bit later when it had hit that cult status. And I remember liking it a lot because I was like, this is, I mean, cinema will never be the same after right. I've seen it this movie. It feels very important. It, right? it does. Like, it does. It feels very smart, too. It, yeah. it feels like Fincher's punching a lot of things in the face. And when you're, you know, 19 like I was when I see it, you think it's like the greatest movie of all time. Right. Yeah, this, this movie, just like, I'm trying to think which one we were talking about. Oh, um, Clerks. It feels very smart when you're in college, and when you get out of it, you're like, eh. no, I would disagree this with it because of, this one still feels pretty. Uh, this seems smart like, to me. It, it feels smart. It does <laughs> feel smart. It, it speaks smart, but I feel like the content's still very college room I philosophy, like anarchy. A lot of it, yes, but not definitely not all of it. Here's what I think. I think that the if you take the message of the movie at face value, which we, we can try to parse out what the message is. I'd like to. But in general, I think what the movie is talking about is breaking free from a lot of the consumerism that society like the way that men are put into the boxes of how they should be and kind of breaking forth from that and then the bro response to that is great man let's light shit on fire because, say, he's break out of a stereotype but they are fulfilling a stereotype yeah it, it's it's, and, it's it's very it's very that that part i think is a little bit i don't know how to actually phrase it but i that part doesn't really resonate with me anymore but i think there's a way to read this movie and we'll get into this afterwards but i think there's a way to read this movie where absolutely nothing in the film is real at all? Hmm. Nothing. I think Marla's fake. I think. No, 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 I'm no, sorry. No, no, you you no, no, think no. this, or you think? You I could think. Read it that I think. Way? Well, I, I'm I'm leaning towards that way now. Hmm. I think Marla's fake. I think Durden is fake, and I think the entire Project Mayhem thing is fake. I even think the house on Paper Street, the dilapidated house where they go to, I think that's completely fake. Right. I think right, nothing on. in the movie is real. So let's you, pause right there. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Okay, let's go ahead. Pause. I think talk. here's <laughs> my theory on Fight Club. I think it's a movie about a man who lost his testicles to. Um, testicular cancer. Oh my God. And I think it's about a man who's struggling with that and uh, he is a mental person and this is his psychological fantasy dealing with that. Because this whole movie is about repressed masculinity Mm -hmm. and it's all about doing what you can to get that back. Mm -hmm. And the movie is so fixated on balls. Like, (laughs) think about this. There is, they're always trying to cut off guys' balls. Mm -hmm. He meets Marla who I'm saying is a fictional element of his personality at a testicular cancer group, mm-hmm. which in and of itself is interesting because who lets a woman into a testicular yeah, cancer yeah. Um, support group? Um, and then 
just this idea well, that if okay. dirt, if okay, so if he's managed to make up this entire person mm-hmm. once, why is he not doing with other personalities? Who's to say that anything else is real? I, in I, the world? Fair enough, but I think if you do go around that route, I think everything falls apart because then if Marla is not real, then that whole thing—the fact that you know she didn't know about Tyler—I think it's just like, well, then what is real? And I think everything starts losing value. If you're, well, I think it's I an wanna, interesting theory. Laramie, go I want to do. I want to do the. Uh, I think it's Phil Seymour Hoffman line from Big Lebowski where he's like, we did not think of that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would, I I would never, bet. I've never ever considered that theory. It's interesting. Well, I mean, here's, let me just provide some evidence and I'll let you guys rebunk it. But here's my evidence. Debunk. Re- or, re- debunk. Or, or rebuff. Debunk. Rebuff or debunk. That's what I was going for, yeah. <laughs> here's my evidence. Um, and, uh, okay. So, Marla and Tyler both look physically the same. Think about this. They both have spiky hair. They both wear very avant-garde clothing. They both um, are basically the extremes of certain types of um, of people. Mm-hmm. Just just their wardrobe is similar. That's A. B, the whole <laughs> idea that Tyler and Marla, uh, he doesn't want Tyler to talk. Tyler does not want our narrator to talk about him with Marla in his presence mm-hmm. is a function of the fact that he doesn't want his split personality to acknowledge that there's an other version of his split personality in his brain at the same time. He there's a mention there's a part in the movie where Tyler Durden I believe says self help is a form of masturbation I believe is the quote and in the film in, in the massive like sex montage between Tyler and Marla where they're constantly doing it in the house and the house yeah, is like yeah, shaking yeah. Um, Jack our narrator is reading self help books the mm-hmm. entire time so you could equ- you could equate that to that's his period in the movie where he's masturbating okay. where, where he's uh, because he's reading self help books and that's happening I mean why even put that detail in if that's like not what you're going after but even okay let me get into even <laughs> more details so we're bringing out the big punches here man I'm, I'm not convinced. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> I'll keep trying. Uh, so other other points of evidence that kind of work in my favor, or at least trying to work in my favor. <laughs> um, so the laundromat scene where she just goes randomly and takes away clothes. Mm-hmm. She goes randomly to um, uh, a thrift store, a, a, a thrift store, and sells it, but. She's selling male clothes, not female clothes. And she randomly just picks up... I, I just feel like that would be in, in this psychological version of it. He's picking up his own clothes mm-hmm. and going to sell it. Uh, so, I mean, st- st- like little things like that. I, you could, I mean, yeah. yeah. So I, it, it, she just she happens to pick up male jeans that look like they, they're Edward Norton's clothes. You mm-hmm. know, like, you know, that kind of thing. And then the final thing I would mention is when he confronts Marla later in the movie after he's escaped from her and his life for a little bit, he says, I haven't been going to... She, he says, I haven't been going to um, self-help meetings anymore. And she mm-hmm. says, neither have I. Mm-hmm. Because they're the same freaking person. They're not going to self-help meetings anymore. Well, th- no, she said that she's been going and she hasn't seen him there. I just feel like that... I feel like that... I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, think she, <laughs> I think later on she says that she stopped going to other them too. After she said mm-hmm. that, since she didn't see him, she stopped going. Okay. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I, I don't All know. Right. Are, I, is the case closed? Or no, 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 I'm, I'm still. I can keep going. But the other thing is the Project Mayhem people. Yeah. Everyone in Project Mayhem that Tyler recruits is an automaton. Essentially, they're all they're all interchangeable, except for Bob. Mm-hmm. They're all completely interchangeable. Well, they become that. I think they're supposed to be. I, yeah. Okay. They, none, none of them are developed in any from a character standpoint whatsoever. You would agree with that, right? None of them have any character. I agree with that, but I agree right? for different reasons. Yeah. So let's say those are lesser forms of his um, multiple personalities. They're ones that are not strong enough to become the Marla and Tyler stage in his head. So if so, so let me ask you this: how, how does this make it a better movie? I think it makes it a more interesting film because I think it's less about "Hey, man, screw the police, screw screw consumer culture." It's all about anarchy, dude. I feel like that's a very lame 
thesis to take away from the movie. And I, I think that's I all I think I that's all I get from the movie if I view it just as it's a Tyler Durden split personality thing. And I guess I'm trying to justify why this movie is art in the Fincher sense. Okay, Does that I'll, make sense? I'll take okay, yeah. I'll take it I'll take what you just said and kind of put a, a bit of a spin on it. I think you are right in the sense of the movie is about a guy who lost his balls to whatever prostate cancer, right? And he's trying to find his masculinity. Um, but I would say more in a symbolic way. I think he lost his masculinity, his quote unquote balls right. due to um, just, I think his everyday life, his job, whatever. Um, I, th- I think everything you're saying makes sense, but I think it's more symbolic. I think, I think Marla does and Project Mayhem actually does exist. I think the world's a little bit um, extreme. I think it's like, um, this uh, movie is a, a satire. It's a very right, dark exactly. satire. But I think so it's a story of, I think of, just yeah. because, just because it's satirical doesn't mean it's not actually happening. Well, okay. I'll, yeah. I'll ask this to both Dave and uh, Dave first. Then I want, if Laramie, Let's get Laramie to chime in okay. first. Dave, Laramie, you go up. Well, Laramie, if this movie is taken at face value that it's just about a split personality thing and uh, you know an anarchic group forming and wrecking mayhem, like yeah. what, is, what what is the actual theme of the movie? Like what is it trying to say? Well, see, and I I take away from it more the we don't need another woman line. <laughs> you know, first, second, you know, what are we now? I think the whole. The fight is to feel alive, obviously. The fight club's to to feel visceral about your surroundings. Mm-hmm. The whole credit thing to me seemed like an add-on. And the ending, that's why the ending seems so almost off-kilter from the rest of it. Um, I would almost buy from your argument that Marla's not real, but I would I would definitely say that Project X is or Project Mayhem is Project X. Oof. Project Mayhem is real. <laughs> um, just because I, I don't think you could I think even in someone's mind you couldn't facilitate, you know, thirty different characters and meatloaf, you know. <laughs> yeah, especially not <laughs> meatloaf with boobs, by the way. It, oh. It, oh. <laughs> at some point it gets weird. But um, <laughs> I, I don't think it's the anti consumerism message necessarily so much as it's the what do I do now message. You know, as you get more and more tech in the world, even though there's not, you know, cell phones in this one, but as things become easier and easier and you can fly thousands of miles and you can, you know, have a car and drive everywhere, like, what do we do with our time? How do we fill our lives? You know, we used to basically spend our whole entire lives to die at 35, you know, right. and try and gather some meager thing and have a kid. And now, like, <clears throat> going back to masculinity, he's not having children, obviously, right? Um, he has to have sex with Marla through another personality. So he's really been emasculate or what's the word I'm looking for? Emasculated, yeah. 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 Emasculated, yeah. And so he's really trying to find purpose. I think that to me is the point of the film. It's like, how do we find purpose in this constantly getting quicker world? Okay, so so here real quick, because and this is what I think, I, I my biggest issue with the movie is I wasn't sure what it was saying at the end of it. And I think we're kind of starting to hit on it. I think what you just said, Larry, makes a lot of sense about the idea that he is trying to find that masculinity, right? End of the movie when he puts the gun in his mouth, pulls the trigger, right? Is he was he actually trying to kill himself and he missed, or was he not trying to kill himself at all? What is hold on, hold on. There's more questions. Tyler Durden is up to this point. Um, it seems like he's kind of like the uh, he's the um, antagonist in a way, right? But I think it, it almost seemed like the whole point is that him trying to find his masculinity that was Tyler, and in the end, when he decided to you know quote unquote kill himself, right? That kind of makes him he's finally found it. He's done this daring thing, this terrifying thing, and he's done it himself, not with Tyler. So in some I, way, he's kind of found it, right? Is that kind I, of like... I'd say the fact that he's willing to kill Tyler means he's found himself. There I think you go, yeah. A, I think it's an extension of the acid test in that if you can mm. take that take that pain, right, 
then you have then discovered your true emotional core. I don't think he was trying to commit suicide. I think he actually, in his head, was killing Tyler to save himself. I, I think it's kind of a mirror of the car thing where he's telling him, like, let go of the wheel and just go for it kind of a thing. But, he, you know, yeah. it's it's the more extreme version of that. Well, I guess my big issue, I have a huge problem with the ending of this movie. I really don't like it. I I, oh. I actively did, like, the, the final sequence, like, bother, I think from a technical standpoint, it's awesome. Like, it's, it's very visceral and cool. But it makes no sense to me how he survives that gunshot. It still makes no sense for me. Well, like, he shoots himself in the face and the guy's like hey you okay bro and he's like yeah all good and it's just like really well, you shot through his cheek is what it, that's uh, how i took it as a few punches to the face like <laughs> you know in, in general would probably kill you the way the way they hit each other so i mean if you can believe that you might as well believe a guy shooting at i, his I think yeah cheek. i think things are a little bit heightened physically i think that you know people can withstand a lot more in this movie than and, let me, and let me let me just jump in a little bit because i'm listening to what everybody's yeah, saying here sorry okay, so and we're all wrong so my so ivan has his theories so i like some of the things that ivan that you're saying about uh the idea that this is about um you know a lot of this could be it almost sounds like you're saying at the end of the movie, it's almost like it's a dream, right? It reminds me of Brazil. At the end of Brazil, you find out... Uh, that, Spoilers. Uh, Jesus, what a God, dick. Sorry, everybody. We, do, <laughs> we try not to spoil movies. Feel free to bleep that out. <laughs> a movie, to me, has to let you know what it's thinking, right? So at the end of Brazil, it lets you know what has actually transpired. Or at least it gives you a general idea. It says, this is one way to think about it. This is another way. I don't think at any point in Fight Club, they really... All those, all those little clues you were, you were talking about... To me, they have more clues about whether things are real or not real. I think Fight Club lets you know in the end what's real and not agree. real. I mean, yeah, it, it shows you, you know, the, it, you know, Brad Pitt literally says, like, I'm you and you're me. We're the same person. I mean, it's, there's no Because the ambiguity. 20-year-old moron's watching it. It's the only way they're going to get that. R- well, maybe. But, but no, I agree with you. But, I agree. But, you know, I do remember how this movie was read differently by people. I, I remember going in to see this movie and thinking, wow, I thought it was going to be a movie about, uh, you know, you know, I read reviews. I read lots of reviews at the time. Obviously, I was very interested in, in, in uh, Fincher, um, but I didn't. I didn't read enough to know that it was going to be like a really kind of an anti-consumerist uh, manifesto or whatever you want to call it. Um, what I really the ending has always felt so tacked on, hasn't it? Like, well, I don't know. I mean, the, are, so when we're the ending, are we picking up from uh, just everything in the, the yeah, top of the what, building where they're watching? Yeah, I guess my yeah. question for you, Laramie, is when does it fall apart? Because it falls apart for me as he soon as he starts having a shootout with Durden in the, in exactly. the parking garage. Yep. Right in the basement, the parking garage. Yeah. yeah. See mm-hmm. that part. Yeah. I mean that, that, that's always really worked for me. I mean, it's, um, because I, I love the, I love the reveal of that. He's Tyler Durden. He talks to the guy who's wearing this amazing, like head support thing. It's just this awesome visual thing. Yeah, it's yeah. like, is this a test sir? Like, it, it's oh, just like, yeah. I, I love that. <laughs> that reveal guy. is awesome. Unforgettable. And, and mm-hmm. um, but um, like, well, let me let me say why I think the ending works for me, and and what I really think this movie is about, and and it's interesting because you can see get you can uh, have multiple interpretations of this movie. To me, this movie I wrote it down. It's a movie about the healing power of catharsis. Okay, oh, that was deep. All right, no, I mean it's maybe. I, I think that's a wrap. I think we're good. <laughs> I mean, and, and to me, this this ending, shooting himself in the in the head or the face or whatever, is the ultimate form of catharsis. Committing suicide, right? It's like, jeez, like, good God. <laughs> well, it, you know, and, and, listeners, and, and, we don't endorse that in, in the don't dark. Do in it. the dark sense. No, I'm not saying you should go shoot yourself in the head, but I mean, it's like a, you know, it's it's a it's a satire. It's kind of a joke. It's like, boy, I. I you know, let's just think about what actually happens in this movie. I mean, everybody's going through some kind of massive life change in this movie, right? I mean, Marla is a suicidal person. Uh, he's um, he's come to a, uh, this, you know, Jack, the narrator, is, has come to a point in his life where he thinks, you know, nothing is worth it. So, you know, all that's left to do is beat myself to a pulp, you know, and uh, let's, uh, he's forming a terror, you know, Project Mayhem is essentially a, 
a terrorist organization, right? You know, not really a terrorist organization in the sense that they want to kill people, but they want to really change things with, you know, through violent action. Anarchy. Right? They, want, they want anarchy. Yeah, right. okay, anarchy, yes, yeah. right? So, um, you know, and going to all these meetings where, you know, it's, uh, you know, crying is kind of um, the way to, to, to heal. I mean, that's, that's catharsis, right? I mean, that's, that's a way of breaking through and, um, you know, finding yourself or whatever. So and how me, for a while that was his, that was very healing for him, that he was able to let go and have right, this catharsis. Right, right. And that, yeah, yeah. So I, that, I mean, that, to me, that's what it's about. And the ending works because it's, uh, you know, it's like he's, he's gone through the ultimate therapy session and he looks at Marla and says, you met me at a very strange time in my life. And then nine <laughs> 11 happens yeah. and, and, uh, yeah. that, that, that feels kind of awkward. But. Yeah. <laughs> well, I yeah. mean, okay. Um, I'll go back to, I, I think I thought of some more evidence for my theory. Uh, fake, oh but my God. I'll go back to that a little well, bit. Let's come back later. <laughs> um, I guess my issue is that if you're going to start an organization that embraces anarchy, why are you the most organized organization of all time? Well, that's the thing. Organized anarchy to the point where they really have, mean. like, folders. Like, what anarchic organization has folders labeled that the buildings are about to explode? Like, what? it looks like uh, it looks more organized than his office place that he right. works at. And, but that's and, the thing about anarchy. I think anarchy has itself much falls in on itself. <laughs> well, it, yeah, it, it's like there's... A, did you not see Zero Dark Thirty? They had, like, 400 million CDs with stuff on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just think there's something about the idea that in order to destroy consumerism you need to make uh, conformism excuse me conformism you need to find a group of people that are willing to conform exactly to what you believe in like, that seems like odd to me I don't I feel like the message of the movie is conflicted with itself if that's well, the I case I don't think so I don't think so because I think it's about the um, I think it's criticizing uh you know, in a lot of ways it's criticizing church and religion and cults. Um, but it's its own the, religion. It's its own cult. Like, it becomes right. its own thing. Well, so. it's, it's, it's mocking, you know. I mean, Tyler Durden is clearly uh, a cult leader in, you know, right, right, in, right. in this movie uh, in almost every, every sense of the word, right? I mean, it's the, the way he talks and the way he acts. And, um, and that's what I'm saying. So what's interesting, it's, it's a contradiction as a, as a philosophical standpoint. It's criticizing. Everything it's criticizing society for, it's doing in a different way to its own members. So right. it doesn't... Right. Yeah. Um... I get okay, so I'm gonna get away from just the minutia of whether or not uh, the like what the movie's about, and I want to talk about David Fincher a little bit, yeah, yeah. Uh, because this is a very important movie in his career. Because up until this point, I believe he's made Seven and he's made The Game, yep, which are both I think pretty good thrillers. I think Seven's better than The Game, but they're both solid thrillers. Yeah, I'd call Seven a classic. Stone Cold, um, but I feel like classic. Fight Club is him being like. Now it's time for me to make a movie that says something. Because I don't know if Seven's striving to say things other than say, I'm going to tell a really good story. Yeah, I agree. I, agree. I don't know I, if that... I think Seven was trying to say some... I mean, that's why it stood out to me. I mean, Seven We'll have was, to rewatch that one, Dave. Uh, we will. But I mean, what, <laughs> I, guess, I guess what do you think about David Fincher as a filmmaker? Just the filmmaking. Like, what about it makes it Fincher-like? Is he an auteur? Uh, visually, what is he doing that makes this movie stand out? I'll pose that question for you, Dave, and then we'll kind of go around Robin. Uh, well, I mean, at the time, he was doing a lot of innovative things with CGI. I mean, instead of, uh, yeah, instead, of uh, instead of graphics, uh, you know, uh, special effects in terms of um, the way uh, you can move through environments, right? Mm. So, I mean, and I think in Fight Club, a lot of it may be goes a little overboard. I mean, you know, why, so why, place, why you know, the, yeah. the camera would dolly into a stove and it doesn't just dolly into a stove. It like spins around the stove and goes behind the thing. It or felt whatever. very CGI you know, points. But you know, I, yeah. I think, I think it worked well in some scenes, like in, um, in, in the closings, when we're getting towards the end and he's in the van and he's trying to think, he's trying to remember, uh, what wire he cut, for instance, and his, his memory kind of goes through the, uh, strands of cables inside the bomb. You know, I think that kind of stuff works. So, 
you know, from a, from a, just a technical perspective, he was kind of pushing the envelope with um, CGI a little bit, you know, without, and it, it doesn't feel that dated watching it. I mean, it still looks relatively decent to me. Um, um, but, you know, just overall, um, the, the, his, his, he was really kind of polishing this, uh, this underlit style, right? And very precise, um, you know, in his camera movements, you know, there's not a lot of handheld stuff in this. It's all very, um, you know, really <laughs> interestingly staged. Oh, careful. Evan. Yeah. <laughs> just lost that. <coughs> Um, you know, you could tell, I mean, he has this reputation of, of doing, you know, dozens of takes, right, with his actors and, and for various, you know, scenes. And you could tell, I mean, it's uh, everything feels, nothing feels kind of off the cuff in a, in a David Fincher film. It all feels very, you know, well thought out and very well planned um, to me. Laramie, are you the, are you a David Fincher fanboy or how do you feel this film stacks up in his canon? Can he just be a fan? Yeah. Uh, no. fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan man. No. Um, <laughs> He, I think I, you're kind of speaking to this, but he's the most technically proficient director I think we've got. Um, he doesn't have any wasted motion, and maybe that's because he does a thousand takes, but it seems like every scene in his movies is meant to be there. There's a purpose for it, and it's clean. I think that's the best way I can describe his work. I really do like his work. Uh, Zodiac's my favorite Fincher film, which is maybe the excess Fincher. Like, it's so long, but yeah. it's like a, a long a long set of perfect takes in a row sort of. Yeah. So, um, it's not as like punchy as some of his other stuff, like seven, uh, the game and fight club both have an, an edge to them that I don't necessarily think Zodiac has, it just has more of a dread. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think he's matured as a filmmaker. I wasn't a huge social network person. Um, I loved gone girl. Gone girl mm-hmm. to me goes back a little bit to fight club sort of. I, and, and like, it's definitely more pulpy. That's all I'll say. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Yeah. So. I actually, yeah, I love, I love Gone Girl, but it's, it's funny that I'm not going to spoil anything. Okay. I'm just, I will say that, um, I, I have similar problems in the sense that I feel like the movie falls apart a little bit in Gone Girl as the move at towards the third act of the film. And I feel like the same thing happens with Fight Club. So maybe he's, I don't know. I, I, I feel like he's a precision, precision director, but, um, I feel like sometimes he loses the thread of what he's trying to say. Does that make sense in his – like it's not that his, his, his style is perfect, but narratively he loses track of what he wants to do. Or he it can w- be a little soulless maybe. Maybe that's a good way of phrasing so it. I, I think – yeah, soulless is pretty – so I, I think he's a very, very technically proficient director like we've all been saying. Right. Hasn't he been compared to Kubrick a lot? I mean Kubrick a lot of the time is seen as um, – you know, kind of a, a cold and calculating filmmaker and Fincher's probably... Well, I, he's very deliberate. I think he understands like to a hyper extent, like, you know, every single little, like wh- everything's going to imply by if he, if he cuts in like this, if he does something different here. I think everything is very, very deliberate. Um, I think, but I think he I builds would, a lot of his movies. He's, he's even said it in interviews that like his premise for making movies is that people are genuinely perverts <laughs> and he just wants to give them what they want. So I think, and I think you see that thread through a lot of his films all have that same recurring element of just like, yeah, humanity, look into this mirror of... of Filth. And, well, and I mean, I mean, he did make Benjamin Button. Right? <laughs> exactly my point. His worst movie, uh, Laramie. Uh, what were you going to say? Go ahead, man. I was going to say, isn't it sort of like Wes Anderson, the Bizarro Fincher, because all of <laughs> yeah. all of Wes Anderson scenes are as well thought out and as technical, but mm-hmm. then he just injects all this whimsy into them, right? Like That's he messes true. them up on purpose because he can. There was a Fincher who would have never allow any mess up well, to make it to the screen. Fincher is the guy that beat up Wes Anderson when they went to middle school together, right? And then they, exactly. they yeah, yeah. You know, like they were both like on the same track, and all of a sudden Fincher's like, "I'm going to beat this wuss up," right. but we still have the same artistic inclination. I don't know. Wes Anderson's the At guy the end that of the day I respect you. So going to yeah, and then Wes Anderson rode away on his tricycle made out of gramophones or something like that. Um, 
uh, the other, like, I don't it's know. A very precise whip pan. I want to also <laughs> talk about one. I don't know if this is not an issue I have with the movie in general, but this is a movie that entirely relies on voiceover, almost to the point where it's it's mm. excessive voiceover. There's more voiceover than dialogue in this film. And um, and I, I, I don't know, does anyone have, does it, did it start to grate on you after a while? Well, voiceover is a tricky thing. I mean, I mean, voiceover is never uh, the strongest of narrative choices, in my opinion. Like, it didn't work well in a movie like Terminator 2, but I think it worked brilliantly in a movie like Goodfellas, right? Um, but vo- voiceover is terrible when they try to sell the narrative with it. Here, yeah. it's it's just Vonnegut. It's just throwaway oh, lines. Yeah. yeah. What, what started getting my nerves is like, I am Mike's irritated eardrums. That line, I am I am Jack's we insert are, body party. We are yeah. Jack's disgruntled reviewers. The, yeah, well, yeah I mean, that was the, getting the, my nerves. Eh, it didn't bother me. And it's, I think there's something to those um, to that uh, style of, of, to those lines, because, I mean, you still hear, I, I still hear that kind of stuff on the internet. You, you'll find people's, uh, that's how you know it's bad. Avatars <laughs> online that are, I am so-and-so's this or Medulla oblongata. Right. Yeah. I am Jack's misplaced sense of irony. Um, but like, I, I don't know. It's, um, hmm, I guess the way I'd phrase it is that I don't, I think that almost they're, they're, they're loyal to the book to the fault, to a fault. I haven't read the book. I've read a couple Chuck P books, but this one I haven't. Uh, um, I don't know if any of you have, but do you you're think that a, you're on a pretty tight, you know, first name basis with him. You call him Chuck P. I can't Chuck pronounce P. his last name. So what am I going to do? <laughs> It's uh, awkward at parties. I think it's Palinic, isn't it? Is it just Palinic? Uh, that was Palunic. I don't know. See, there you go. <laughs> see, see, I didn't want to be the idiot, so but I'm thanks sorry. a lot. All right. Uh, <laughs> it's. I mean, is this just is this just service to the book? To because he, Ch- Chuck P has such a unique voice in his books. Like all his books are like the worst of humanity, but you're fascinated by how awful it is. Like if you, I don't know if you've ever read the book Haunted, mm-hmm. which is like his short story collection, but each one gets more disgusting and awful. As they go on and on, but you can't stop reading it, and you feel like a terrible person. See the one with the the pool filter thing. Yes, that's uh, the one with I've guts, heard of it, yeah. which is like the that's famous because in that story, like he, no, no, he would have readings like uh, at like public libraries and bookstores, and people would leave like in vomit during his public like readings of that short story. Really? So, um, it's re- yeah, it's rough. I don't know. Is anyone? Else, I guess I'm the only person that had issues with so much voiceover. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I did too. I, I never well, like it. I, I think it's just yeah. I mean, so you didn't think it worked here? I mean, I think it I think it's, worked. It's fine, but I, I mean, I think it got toward again. I, I feel like this movie is um, it's almost like a marathon to sit through. Mm-hmm. I, I and it's not that he wastes scenes. It's not that I feel like the movie has extraneous moments. I just felt exhausted after watching this. I don't know well, if anyone I, felt I, the same. Yeah, well, I would agree. I did. You know what's <laughs> weird? I'll say this. I when I'm thinking about, it, I can't actually think about anything except the parts I didn't like. Like sometimes it was seamless, and I don't even think I realized. It was him narrating, I guess, some kind of, you know, in, in retrospect, some portions like where it gets overly poetic or overly verbose or wordy or then any time he does the I am Jack's whatever organ, mm-hmm. those are the things that stand <laughs> out to me that I don't like. But for, I guess the rest of it's OK for the most part. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, I mean, for the most part, I think it's it's pretty great. In fact, I was actually. Well, then, I mean, <laughs> fuck you guys. <laughs> I mean, I was. It's, it, you know, I've seen this movie in bits and pieces. I haven't seen it all the way through in a long time. And every time I watch it in bits and pieces, it never, it always feels a little bit mm, like it's not really working as well for me. But sitting and watching it all the way through, uh, it felt like it worked better as a whole. And I, you know, I, I can't say exactly why. Um, but, uh, you know, um, when we were talking about uh, Chuck P. We'll just call him Chuck P, right? Chuck e. P. Chuck e. P. Um, I was I was always curious about what the origin of this movie was, you know, like, like how did he get the idea? And, and you would think it's 
you know, he, he wrote it was something about fight. About, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, <laughs> oh, you got so owned right there. Uh, Laramie wins so many things. Oh, my God. Well, Sorry. I mean, so I, I did like reading this one thing he said where he said it was actually he was on this camping trip as a kid. He got beaten up and he went back to school and uh, nobody said anything. And uh, he had, I guess that was the inkling of the idea is that when you when something bad happens to you and you go into your, your normal daily life, you know, people don't necessarily people don't want to ask you about bad things. Right. So he goes. So this Jack narrator he goes into the, to his office looking like. You know, he his face is bruised, he's <laughs> bloody and scratched up, and you know nobody's saying anything. And and it's, I mean, it's, that's another really interesting thing about this movie to me is that it's about uh, the things that people don't want to talk about, right? And, and uh, you know, you don't want you don't want to hear about somebody getting divorced or that somebody has cancer or that somebody you know had their balls removed or. Um, what, what are some of the other groups that he's that he goes to? Um, tuberculosis. Know, tuberculosis. Yeah, you don't you don't want to know these things about people. You want to hear. You know, when you watch the news, you want to hear. You, typically, you're looking for bad news, right? I mean, bad bad news sells. But in real life, when you when you talk to people, you know, you say, "How you doing?" They say, "Yeah, good." You know, people don't say like, "Yeah, well, I you know I have testicular cancer." And, well, I, you <laughs> know, I'll give you credit, Dave, because I think that's the best reading of the movie that I think rises above just the anarchy message. I think the idea that maybe this movie is really about we need to conf- um, we need as humans, it's most human to confront us when when bad things happen, not when life is great. Right. Um, so I, th- I think that's a pretty. That's actually beautiful, Dave. It's like oh, a haiku. Oh my! I don't know. Why um, my okay. I'm glad so, I wrote the book. So this is a very important question. <laughs> On a scale for one to ten, how amazing are Brad Pitt's abs? Like <laughs> seriously. Yeah, you know what's interesting? Are, I was watching. 40. I, <laughs> 40. That shot, they, they like the, that shot of him, like after he's just uh, railed. Someone, yeah. No, no, after he's just like railed Marla actually, and he's wearing the uh, the. The, the dishwashing gloves, gloves yeah. <laughs> which is such a, st- like, again, like, I feel like that that's not an, an unintentional choice. I feel like that's Fincher saying something about how Marla's not real. Yeah. Like, because, no, because, no, I because Durden how- can't touch Marla because they're not, they're, they don't exist. So no, how- no, no. He was no. doing something with those gloves, friend. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't good. It wasn't good what was going on. No, no. thank you. Thank well, you. it wasn't good for us. But, but that <laughs> shot is, it, it, it's like, it's like, holy crap, that man. Like in that it's it's, it's I, iconic. I didn't even notice. I, I, really I, I recently I haven't actually finished the movie, That's but weird. I was just watching Fury, the um the movie tank that came movie. out last year, the Tank movie that came out. Yeah. And there's of course there's a scene where Brad Pitt has to remove his shirt. And I was looking at it in, in the contract. Michelle was watching with me. My, my wife was watching with me. I was saying, look look at this guy. He's fifty. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, how can how can you look like that when you're fifty years old? Benjamin so Button is not. I think what we're trying to say here is that he was probably just born with abs, right? <laughs> <laughs> he looked like that from the beginning. Um, so uh, I guess go round robin. Any uh, final thoughts about Fight Club? I guess, I guess my question for people is: Is this an essential movie? Is this a Fincher film versus you know how Fincher has films and movies? Is it, is this a Fincher film? A and is this essential viewing when you're? Would you suggest that all the youngins growing up now who, you know, are growing up in a time when cell phones have only existed and a lot of the stuff in this movie will be very foreign to them technologically, mm-hmm. is this movie worth watching? And I'll start with you, Mike. I am actually going to pass the baton to Mr. Legal and have him go first. Oh. I feel like I, he's got a lot to say and I want to hear, I want to hear more. Um, and also I, I need some time to think about it. So. Yeah, Mike just doesn't know what he wants to say. So let me go. <laughs> I, think it's, I do think it's relevant today just because of the frenetic, frenetic nature of the film seems to be dovetailing with where the world is going. I think, I mean, you'd still get your, you know, 12th grade 
jock seniors who would love this mm-hmm. film because of its people fighting. Mm-hmm. But I think there's also a, a decent read to be had on it, you know, from the art sense if we've, we've kind of gone over these last uh, 45 minutes or whatever. But I, I would recommend it to kids, yeah. No. <laughs> uh, kids or, or fine family Perfect. film. I want to Have you guys Abraham ever seen Lincoln. the edited version of this movie? Like, the, like if it's shows on TBS or TNT or whatever, it's one of those movies that really feels awkward. You know, it's like watching Goodfellas on on a, you know, it, you you need to have the uh, the, uh, the there's a scene where uh, Edward Norton is beating the the shit out of Jared Leto, and uh, which you know, we've all wanted to do. Right? <laughs> right. I mean, Wait, Leto is it Leto or Leto? I don't Leto. know. Leto. Jeremy, uh, Larry, what did that's you say? my catchphrase. Run! I eat like twelve. Pancakes, you know. I wanted to destroy something beautiful. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. good. I mean, that scene, you know, it, it's almost it's the violence and the way his face hits the ground and the blood and the sound, yeah. the sound effects. I mean, that stuff is kind of essential to to that scene. You know, when you watch a scene like that on, you know, where they they pull that stuff out, I mean, it's just it's kind of meaningless. Um, um Mike, now that you've had a chance to stall, what are your um, thoughts? Uh, yeah, I need a little more time. No, no, uh, <laughs> um, no. I, I think I, I think in many ways it really does apply today because I feel like um, people are even less purposeful, uh, more purposeless, yeah, more purposeless more than they were. Yeah, exactly. Then I think that when this movie came out, I think things are getting more in this direction of I think hyper consumerism and lack of purpose, and especially men. I think like people are just kind of spiraling, and I, I, I see that it, it can speak to people in a way that you know. People want to feel like they're part of something. They want to feel, you know, like they're accepted. They want to feel like they are doing something with their life. They they have purpose, and I see that in the sense of like I think that still applies to things today. Um, and in some way, I think that's why I was so like you know disturbed by the movie in general. Just the fact why it's so depressing to me. Because I'm like this, I get it. Like people are. I think that's why you have younger guys watch this movie who eat it up because it just it it speaks to them on that level. I think. Uh, like, yeah, I, man, I have been, you know, abused and or not, you know, I, I, yeah, I have been put down my entire life. I, I do deserve to, you know, it's like a, it's an affirmation for men, and, for, and some, say, for some people. And I'll say what's interesting, though, is just a final note. I think um, as I'm watching this movie, I'm like, I'm sure a lot of people think this is awesome, but it just like bothers me that you could have like and I feel like people are going to watch this and get an idea of like, yeah, I mean, I want to join a gang like this. This is cool. Right. And I feel like the idea is that, like, oh, this is cool, this is cool, it's cool. But the last shot of the movie is a bunch of buildings collapsing, which reminded me a lot of 9-11, Dave. You mentioned that earlier. Right. Like, I saw that. I'm like, ooh, this is yeah. real awkward. Well, I mean, this is a movie which, that comes out two years prior. Right, right. But the point I'm making is that I feel like in some way, you know, that kind of speaks a little bit to, unintentionally, but it says the idea of, like, this is kind of the end goal of this, like, you know, you think this is cool, guys? You think it's cool to be a part of this gang? Well, this is just kind of so. I think it kind of comments back on itself See, unintentionally. But this but. is this is one of the more interesting facets: is the fanaticism of Project Mayhem actually is basically equal to something like ISIS or Al-Qaeda, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's that that I will agree to whatever you say because I believe in your cause and let's go break shit, shit, right? Exactly. And And so fanaticism is at an all-time high. I mean, maybe you could say World War II or something, it was higher, but like it seems to be getting more and more rabid with each day and just based on tech that didn't even exist at the time of this movie, but it seems like it's a much easier to get a bunch of people to follow your wishes blindly than it's ever been. Exactly, and that's why like I'm watching this movie, and it gets me. Un- I feel uncomfortable because I'm like, this is like happening, and it's not cool. Like, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, yes, you could be one of those guys that reads this movie and say, wow. I mean, I actually had a friend, but there who, are people who will. Who, that's the point I'm making. Like, no one, people aren't aren't, aren't looking at the movie like, well, what does the cinematography of this movie say? Some people are watching <laughs> right. it, they're taking it like the majority you know, of people are watching. Are you this movie saying and, the majority of the people don't <laughs> think it was all fake and took place inside his head because that's just bonkers, <laughs> right? And, and probably. The majority of people aren't film study students right, exactly. <laughs> that, that watch this movie, right? Um, I don't know. For me, 
I mean, this is going to sound a little weird, but I mean, to me, oh, this movie was a little bit uplifting. And <laughs> when you say it was depressing, wait, wait, so you think I, the I, ending I, is a positive? One. Right. I mean, because that's my In reading of the movie is that, like, like I said, it's a movie about the healing power of catharsis. All right. So when he when he turns to her and says, "Like you found me at a very strange time in my life," I mean, he's obviously made some kind of breakthrough. So I see this as like a satire of like therapy. I mean, this is like the ultimate, you know, therapy session for for uh, this character. And, uh, it, you know, whether it's real or not, to me, doesn't mean anything. I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, it... Uh, no, it doesn't. It actually it really doesn't. doesn't. I mean, what, you know, all that matters is that it's about a character who's, who's confronting himself and, and uh, certain things about society or whatever. And he's made some kind of breakthrough. Well, and, uh, you, know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't hurt that it ends with this amazing Pixies song where, that's uh, <laughs> kind of very uplifting in a way. So I'm glad you actually didn't call them the Pixies. They're just Pixies. That's very The rude. Pixies, whatever. No, no, no. That's true. They're I just mean, Pixies. Um, <laughs> but I, going on what you're saying... I don't know. Like, you're right. It doesn't matter. The fact that in my theory that Marla's fake and everyone else is fake, it really doesn't matter because it's not like the movie's making a definitive statement on that. It, this is like the inception thing about was it a dream or wasn't it all a dream the whole time? Doesn't matter. And that's, it really, yeah. it, it doesn't matter. That, that's right. not the point of the, the film. And we can argue about that uh, to, uh, to the end of the days. But my thing about, I guess my closing thoughts on the movie is I think it's pretty important. I think it does a lot of really interesting stylistic things. Um, I think this notion of community that you touched upon, Mike, and even you, Laramie, this idea of community is very fascinating because we often give a religion a lot of crap in our modern cynical society. But, I mean, a lot of people are religious because the community aspect is so is really is really welcoming in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, like people say, like um, like when I go to synagogue like once a year uh, <laughs> for high holy days, they're like, oh, you go because you're really religious? And I'm like, oh, I don't go to be with God. I go because I like hanging out with other Jews. I go like, for the free food. I right, like yeah. I like feeling like part of a community. I don't even know how much I believe uh, spiritually spiritually in all at all, but I just like the sense of being a part of something. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and it feels like, oh, these people get me. We all had to have the same crappy thing happen when we were 13 and we all went to the same bad day camps and we all did the thing. <laughs> We all did this, and 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 I think we as a society are often struggling to find that because the internet is a great communication tool, but it also alienates us in a very specific way. It alienates or, us, but it also brings us together. I mean, look at us sitting here right now talking about Fight Club. Yeah, but we're physically <laughs> in the same room except for yeah. Laramie. The but, internet is the least welcoming place in the world. You well, go there. I, I, do have, I do have a still frame of Laramie staring at me right here. So. <laughs> <laughs> I look good. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just I think that there's something about the community aspect of the film that I think is very beautiful, but at the same time, it's ironic because it also is it's doing a, horrible things. It's a twisted version of what community should be about. I think yeah. that's why I'm like, Ugh. Right. And maybe that's why the movie interesting and needs to be remembered so <laughs> you, you can now communicate with anyone in the world but they may say tell you to f off right? exactly exactly yeah. it, it, it's the nature that everything on the internet is just waiting to be taken down by someone else who's going to give you crap for it like that's the nature of the internet the internet is snark per personified yeah. mm -hmm. um okay so Final thoughts on why Marla is not real. Okay, I, I thought oh of a couple. My god. Oh my god! <laughs> Should we do like a director's cut version? <laughs> no, no, no. I, just got, I got one more piece of evidence, and you can. Uh, oh, two more. Okay, and then oh, we're done. You are Chuck Palahniuk. We, we, yes, we have two more, and then Liar we'll close me. out I'm the so podcast. Sorry. Um, here's one. Okay. There's a scene when he leaves. Um, when Tyler Durden leaves with Marla from her hotel room. You know that scene where he picks her up from the hotel room. They're running away from the cops and yes. stuff like that. There's a scene. Well, there's a scene where they pass by a mirror mm -hmm. and both Tyler and Marla do not appear in it. And Tyler, we know, does not appear in mirrors in the movie. We know that. So why would... Why How would do we you know that? 
because you see, like, you'll you never see Tyler reflected in the film. Uh, this is getting a little Jim Garrison for me, JFK <laughs> style. I mean, okay, <laughs> okay. Second, no, no, second point. Second, second point. point. So, in my theory, Marla and Jack, our narrator, are the same person, right? Mm. The final shot of the movie is, and I wish I could. This is an audio podcast. So this penis. is terrible radio. <laughs> yeah, it's a penis. It is actually uh, <laughs> penis. But the fi- this is terrible, terrible radio. But there's a shot of Marla and. Um, Jack holding hands as they're watching the um, buildings co- collapse, right? Right. Um, while the pixies while the pixies play. Pixies. <laughs> pixies. They're shown in silhouette, and they're shown in a way where their silhouette is nearly identical. She's wearing a dress, and his pants have been removed because, of course, the whole thing's about balls being removed. Well, his yeah. pants are being removed. He's wearing boxers, and in that silhouette, it looks like he's wearing a dress too. And they both have the spiky hair, and it's almost indistinguishable. And I guess my theory is... After he's killed Tyler Durden, our narrator Jack has chosen that his dominant second personality is going to be Marla. He has chosen to love himself. He's chosen to love himself Uh because Marla is himself. And that closes out the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Um, I mean, I, com- I completely 100% reject your theory, but uh, it's interesting to hear it. <laughs> All right. That's fantastic. Um, I, I think you're making good points. I think it's, I, I appreciate the value. And I, I, again, I'm sorry. I have to, I have to disagree. I think, it, I think it's. If anyone agrees with me, let me know uh, in the email on Facebook or on comments because we can hang out and talk about it. Together. I thought one more interesting thing about this movie oh, was God, the fact Dave. that it had, it's a movie that's so anti-consumerist, but I remember it having this really interesting marketing campaign. You know, like, There's I, also I, a video game based like, on it, which I, I is turned, so. I turned to, I bought the Blu-ray for this because it's relatively cheap now. And uh, if you, when you, I think they did the same thing with the DVD. The, uh, the the menu shows up and it's a completely different movie. In this case, it was a Drew Barrymore uh, movie called Never Been Kissed. And then the the screen goes a little pixelated and then it transitions to the Fight Club, you know, DVD menu. Oh, that's pretty cool. So, you know, like stuff like that. I remember there being a lot of kind of weird soap advertisements at the time. And hmm. um, nice. so, you know, it's weird. It's to, a stylish movie, even the way it was presented to people. Right. So it's, you know, it's a movie that embraces consumerism well at the same time. Rejecting okay. Rejecting it. So, you could um, say, you could say. Uh, Laramie, where can people find you on the internet? And are you in agreement with me that I'm totally correct that the movie is entirely fake? Don't do it, man. <laughs> Don't do it. I mean, I, I'll give you, I'm 20% more there than I was. Let's put it that way. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's very diplomatic. Uh, Twitter, Laramie, L-A-R-E-M-Y, or, uh, every once in a while I update quality slug. It's my, uh, nom de plume. Is that quality, uh, like the, uh, the bug slug.com? Yeah, quality slug. Okay, very cool. Um, Dave, where can people find you on Ooh, the internet? I get to go next. Uh, Dave Glanz, yeah. G-L-A-N-Z on Twitter and DaveGlanzProductions.com. And Michael Morandi, where can we find you? Twitter at Mike Morandi and on, uh, oh, MikeMorandi.com. I probably mentioned that one. And also I just joined uh, Dribble. That's with three Bs. Oh, you got invited to the... I, I finally got invited to Dribble. <laughs> Killing it. It's going I, great. I don't think I've ever been invited. I feel really uh, lax as a motion designer. Well, if you guys are motion designers or designers or animators, you want to check out my work. So do we want to it's, talk about what we're going to do next, or do we not? Uh, oh, yeah. Dave, what are we doing next? It's my, my choice, right? Uh-huh. So uh, uh, we've been doing a lot of male-centric movies, so I decided oh, we should God. do something female-centric. What women want with Mel what women? No, no, no. Okay, so uh, this, one, this one's a good one, actually. Uh, the Piano, the Holly Hunter movie from 93. Oh, God. Okay. Oh, my God. Have you uh, seen this one? Yeah, it's so long. All right. Uh, it's, not, it's not that long. Can we do another movie, please? <laughs> well, we could do another movie. That was one option. Can I, can I, how about this, Dave? I promised to do the piano in like three months, but I literally just watched it like four months ago. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. I guess uh, I could, so I don't feel like watching it. When was the last time you saw The Grifters? I've never seen The Grifters. I don't even know what that movie is. <laughs> Laramie, The Grifters? Have you heard of The Grifters? 
Yeah, Grifters is great. Okay, there we go. We're Same, doing the we're Grifters. Doing the Grifters. What is the Grifters? The Grifters <laughs> is a Stephen Frears movie starring John Cusack and Angelica Houston and uh, I think Annette Benning too. Yes. What, what, year, what year was it? Uh, pretty sure ninety. Okay. Okay. Really? I'm in. I'm in. All right. So the, the next. I'm not in, but I don't have a choice. So yeah, here we go. The Grifters. <laughs> is it like three hours long? No, it's okay. a pretty. Uh, okay. it's under. I'm pretty sure it's under two hours. All right. So uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ivan Kander, and my website is Lucky9Studios.com. I write about short films and curate and edit for a site called ShortOfTheWeek.com, where you can watch great short films. So uh, <laughs> until next time, you can find us on Facebook at Review Podcast at uh, so Facebook.com/slash/ReviewedPodcast. Email us at contact at review podcast and our website is reviewedpodcast.com. Dot com. Dot com. So uh, you diss the piano so much. I mean, it's not, I I get off air. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us, Laramie. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much for your time. And uh, we will uh, uh, see you all next week or two weeks from now. Bye. (laughs) Please tell me you're not recording. I don't want that at the end. I totally was. <laughs> no, don't you, don't you dare. <laughs> I won't, don't worry.